Thanks for joining us for Season 6 of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders at Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy. And thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind Branded Strategic Hospitality, we work at the intersection of hospitality, food service, technology, innovation, and capital. And Jimmy, I got to tell you, we have an amazing podcast today. I think one of the best podcasts we've ever done in season six. It is really going to be great. I got to tell you, Jimmy, I am exhausted. We have been nonstop traveling. Murtech. The, the, the bar and restaurant show. We're headed the to Expo. RLC next week. We're headed to RLC. I mean, it is just nonstop traveling for us. But I got to tell you, all this traveling has given me some time on the plane. You're you're busy working on the plane. You know what I'm doing on the plane? I'm sleeping. You're snuffing. Yes. <laughs> but let me tell you, I'm deep in thought. And I'm thinking, I was thinking this about the marketplace, the branded, the branded marketplace, Jimmy. And do you know what the brand marketplace is? You know what? Educate me. <laughs> Jimmy, it is a two-sided marketplace. It is giving operators in the hospitality food service space an, an opportunity to go online and check out a site that has 400 of the most incredible technologies that you need to operate your restaurant, that make it easier to operate your restaurant or hotel or anything in the food service space. So go check out the Brandon Marketplace. It's brandonmarketplace.com. If you want to get on the marketplace, just email me, marketplace at Brandon Strategic. We can onboard you in like literally less than 15 minutes. And Jimmy, just I, I, you're a finance guy. How much do you think something like this would cost? Must be very expensive to get on. You would Must think, be very what, what would you think? What would you think? I think uh, $400 a month. You would think, right? Think. Zero, Jimmy. Zero. Zero. Zero, for the, zero to go check it out. Zero to be on it. It's free. Free to, free to the operators, free to the tech. Free to everybody, the Jimmy. How do, Jimmy. How do we make money, Shatsy? Jimmy, volume. Volume. The more volume. people that use it, somehow we make more money. I don't know. Jimmy, take it away because we got a great show. By the way, you have me a little confused because you said this is a two-sided marketplace. And I was thinking to myself, can you have a one-sided marketplace? Is that does that exist? But you know what? I'll let you think about that on the next plane ride, and I'm going to take us into the uh, show. We are very excited uh, for today's episode. Our guest is our friend, Mr. Scott Gladstone, this SVP of Strategy and Innovation at Dine. Brands. That's a um, big company, Jimmy. It's a big company. You know what? That's Applebee's. That's IHOP. That is my my youth of of IHOP was the blueberry uh, syrup. And in my adult life, we all we're, we're loving the uh, we're loving the uh, the Oreo shake and the song that goes with it. Scott, we're going to let you take the lead. Um, give us a little background yourself, and of course, a little elevator pitch on Dine Brands. Sure, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, and Jimmy, we need you. Uh, we need you back in the restaurant. You know. More frequently, don't think of IHOP as you know a childhood memory. Bring your bring your kids. I'm coming back. That's right. what, yeah, come back. Nobody uh, likes pancakes like Sylvie, Jimmy. Oh my God, does she love pancakes? She's a, and very curious about the whole blueberry, the, the multi flavored syrup. She's very excited by that. Yeah, and then the syrup and in, in most markets back on the table, so you can you can you can choose them all yourself. So I, I'll give a little on Dine Brands, and then I can give a little bit myself. So Dine. We are the uh, franchisor of Applebee's and IHOP, about 3,500 locations globally. Uh, most of those are uh, in the US. Uh, we're 
or so percent franchised. Um, we've got a couple of, um, we have a company market in North and South Carolina for Applebee's. Um, and then otherwise all of our um, other restaurants are, are franchised. And, uh, you know, two leading uh, historic brands that are continuing to remain relevant and, and a big uh, challenge and opportunity for us is to you know, move us from the next, move us into the next, you know, 40 to 60 years of our brand's journey um, and, and continue on. So, um, you know, two fun brands to, to, uh, to be around. Uh, my background, you know, a little circuitous, like most people started in finance. Uh, Whoa, wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. Finance guy, another. So you are the restaurant guy that was a finance guy. I think most, I think at this stage aren't a lot, I think you kind of have to be a finance guy if you want to yes. if you're in the restaurant business these days especially if you want to you see see what's <laughs> happening with your food cost and, and labor cost you got to have a have your finger on the pulse right but uh, yeah I started in finance I was at Bear Stearns which was a another legacy brand uh, well, now, you're, now you're talking uh, Jimmy's now you're talking Jimmy's go back, language go back in history um, so I was I was there through 2008 in the in the last financial crisis and. Um, you know, made my way. I was in management consulting for for several years, and then I, I've now been at Dine for the last six. Um, and at Dine, I, I've been in several roles. I uh, spent most of my career within the Applebee's organization, uh, leading our off-premise business, which is to go delivery and catering. Also led our um, consumer insights and business analytics team, as well as development. And then uh, last year, I, I took on this enterprise role. So, strategy and innovation for for Dine is uh, it's it's a bit of a mix of of, of things. Strategic planning is uh, a big piece of it. Uh, thinking about Dine level um, strategic challenges, working through public company issues, uh, that type of thing. And then the other half is innovation, right? The fun stuff and uh, and really working with our our brands on the new technologies, new innovations that are going to going to drive sales as we go forward. So that's a that's a little bit about the path. No, I love I love the innovation side, but but again, I'm going to start with uh, you, you. You talked about some of the work you're doing. I uh, feel outnumbered here, by the way. I got two finance guys and only one restaurant guy. I got to call someone in. And, I, and actually, I have Bear Stearns on my. Uh, I, I'm an alumni of Bear, Bear as well. I left a, a good decade uh, uh, before the 08 crisis, but I got I'm I'm, a, I'm I got a lot of love for uh, for Bear Stearns. Um, you know, it's going to be a good podcast. Uh, when we can kick some things off with some almost breaking news. So, oh, let, Jimmy, let, you know I love breaking news. But, but this was in my camp. This was actually real numbers. Um, Dine Brands Global has just released its fourth quarter uh, and fiscal uh, 2021 results. So to our listeners, please check out some of these numbers. Fourth quarter 2021 domestic average weekly unit sales for both brands now exceed pre-pandemic levels for the second consecutive quarter. Yes, pandemic, they are at the, the Dine is ahead of, ahead of the curve of where they were pre-pandemic. Fourth quarter, 2021 consolidated revenues increased 17% to 229.6 million. And for those who can't see me, I put my pinky up to my lips when I said 229.6 million. Fourth quarter, 2021 gross profit improved by, oh, I don't know, 43%. Holy that's a million. big number. And Applebee's and IHOP franchises opened 46 new restaurants in fiscal year 21. So, you know, I, I sometimes I'm looking at this as maybe an indication of how the industry is going. Um, and this is music to our ears of your guys' tremendous performance. So, Scott, what else can you share with us about, you know, the report and maybe how it relates to the overall state of the industry, in your opinion? And by the way, congratulations on those stellar uh, numbers and performance. Thank you. Appreciate that. I wish I could take all the credit, but it's a it's a huge. Well, team I gotta tell you, I'm, I was gonna say, I'm giving you full credit. 
Thank you. Thank Scott's you. on with us. Let's give him full credit. 100%. <laughs> Great job on those numbers, Scott. I, I, pre- I appreciate that. So, yeah, we, we did we did report fourth quarter a couple of weeks ago, and then we had our investor day uh, in New York uh, two weeks ago. So a lot of great great info on dinebrands.com in the investor section for those that want to, uh, to read up. But – yeah, I'll talk about our brands and then talk about uh, the industry because it's definitely a, definitely a mix of of both of those things. You know, I think our brands did a fantastic job through the pandemic of um, building on you know the trust they already had with their consumers and and just enhancing that. And a lot of that is is you know rooted in the operations of the business, uh, safety and sanitation, and and being a, a trusted place where where guests can uh, guests can come back together. Uh, we've also been making Significant investments in technology and the things to um, to um, to drive the off-premise experience. And what we found is that off-premise sales have been highly sticky, highly incremental, even as dining rooms are coming back. And so, consumers have adopted this way of engaging with their favorite restaurants. You know, surprisingly, pre-COVID, uh, there was you know some lack of awareness i think that uh that you could get to go from applebees or ihop or just simply wasn't in the in the consideration set but you know through the com- combination of um you know obviously by uh, being forced into it you know consumers now now come to us and choose us for that occasion um and i think it, we've also been able to because we can provide a very quick experience you know that's high quality food um you know, we really do start compete or be to, we start to be entered into the consideration set with uh, restaurants that we haven't historically been able to compete with. So people in the fast casual, people in the QSR spaces, um, you know, for a consumer who they still want to get in and out quickly, they still want great value, but they're looking for higher food quality. And that's where we can we can really meet them. Uh, you know, from an industry perspective, you know, supply and demand, right, I think drives, drives a lot of things, um, you know, from the supply side. Um, Certainly, there's been a high number of closures within um, the segments that we operate in. So about 10 to 15 percent of restaurant units closed within the family and casual dining segments. Um, and so that's certainly a, a benefit for those restaurants that are remaining. It's unfortunate, obviously, and there's a lot of um, you know, we're very empathetic to, to what's happened to restaurant tours across the country. But for those restaurants that are still available, those sales dollars are now being being spread out. And then on the demand side, you know, consumers are wanting to get out, you know, post COVID, you know, they're kind of tired of being at home. And I think we're seeing that across multiple different industries. And if you look at a lot of the earning reports that you're seeing, it it seems to be relatively consistent that guests want to get out. So, you know, combination of a lot of different things. Um, There's a lot of volatility still in the market as we go forward, you know, now with, um, Ukraine and and inflation and and other dynamics. So we'll see how it plays out. But you know, certainly it was a great quarter, and we're uh, excited about uh, what twenty twenty two holds. It is, and it's great stuff. And you did a great job. And I got to tell you, you mentioned QSR, you mentioned fast cash. When I think IHOP, I think pancakes. I think full service. When I think Applebee's, I think full service. But there's breaking news, Jimmy. It's not just that Dime Brands blew out, blew the numbers. Blew the, blew the numbers away. There's also breaking news. A new concept, flipped by IHOP, was launched. Uh, it, right here, And Q4 was launched. And uh, first location, right here in New York City, around the corner from our office on 23rd Street, for all of you that know New York City, right off a of park, right around the corner. I actually visited the store. It is a gorgeous store, very bright, very airy. 
And I got to tell you, let's talk a little bit about that. Pancakes right around the corny, corner. Jimmy will probably be spending a lot of time there. What is the what was the motivation behind launching a new concept in the QSR? And, flip, and look what we got here. And right in my office, we've got, I got a thing of pancakes, Jimmy. Oh, let me smell it. Oh, yeah. And wait a minute. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. This is awesome. Are these strawberry? The chip. Are they, are I got strawberry, chip? banana. Yeah, I think oh, that's one yeah. of our new, if I can tell, I think that's one of our pancake bowls, which is an exclusive item to, uh, to uh to the flip by ihop i yeah, love it pancake bowls three this is my kind of i got bowl. four delicious beautiful pancakes in a bowl with some old-fashioned pancake syrup right from the new flip store so what's tell us about yeah i'm craving pancakes <laughs> i got pancakes right here that's how easy it is so what's tell us how that came about that you you started launching flipped by ihop yeah you know, I think it's, uh, you know, it's something that's been in the works for, for several years. So even pre-crisis, but the crisis has, you know, highlighted some of those um, opportunities that, that we kind of thought were, were available to us, you know, going into it. So, um, you know, Flipped is a fast casual version of IHOP. You know, not uh, every consumer has um, time to, um, uh, to sit down and enjoy a great IHOP meal with the family um, or a significant other. Uh, sometimes they got to get it on the go. Sometimes they got to eat it when they're doing a podcast, right? So it's, uh, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's an option. It's, 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 it's designed for speed, right? And, uh, and also to meet on the kind of high quality um, cues that, that we, we look to, uh, to, to meet with and, our food. And so, I was in the store and you had kiosks all over the place when you walked in, a big, beautiful uh, digital menu boards, a pickup area, an order area. It was really well designed and just it was great. Looked like it was jumping too. Yeah, you know, we we designed it to be fast, right, and to be convenient and to meet on uh, the needs uh, and demands from consumers to engage with us, you know, in new ways, right? So we have a website and app. You can order ahead. If you come into the store, you can also order on a kiosk, um, which beautifully merchandises the food. You can see all the menu. Um, you could also engage with the cashier if that's your preference. And uh, the menu is is purely unique to Flip. So lots of menu items on there that you can't get anywhere else um, at at a, a regular IHOP. Although we we are still serving our famous uh, pancakes. And uh, yeah, it's a way for us to capture that on-the-go guest as well as off-premise, which is a much bigger share of our sales um, today. And there's certainly also a real estate play, uh, you know, as part of that, right? If, 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 uh, if you saw the store, it's, uh, I think it's, you know, 1,500 square feet, 2,000 square foot footprint. So, you know, more of an inline location. Um, so much smaller iteration of, uh, of IHOP and allows us to, to reach more of an urban customer in a, in a dense trade area. So it's, uh, you know, we're really excited about it. We actually have two open now. And I, got more, yeah, I was going to say, what, what more, where are you opening more stores? Is it just kind of like New York City and start going around and around? Or is it uh, just all over the country? What's yeah, the we're kind of still, we're, we're still in the, in the learning phase. And so we've actually been testing in a few different iterations. So we have one, the other uh, open location currently is in Lawrence, Kansas, um, which if you've been to Lawrence, Kansas, it's not, it's not New York City, well, that's but where, it's but that's that's the University of Kansas in Lawrence, right? Yeah, so adjacent to the to the university, and it does draw off some some of that traffic. Um, and then we're also we're also looking at some non traditional um, locations as well as others in in dense urban areas. So you'll see more of these come online in uh, in twenty twenty two. We're really excited about it. It's uh, it's that's a awesome. big part of the future. So let's let's dive a little deeper into off prem sales. I mean, obviously, off prem had its moment during the pandemic. 
And it's still a new revenue channel for many, many restaurants. A lot of restaurants didn't do off-prem prior. Um, let's talk some numbers. Jimmy, I'm going to take a little thunder from you because I'm going to talk some numbers. They'll probably screw them up a little bit, but I'm going to try. Go so for it. Applebee's off-prem sales accounted for 26.9% of sales in Q4, and IHOP, respectively, was almost 24%. Uh, delivery and pickup takeaway, it's its here to stay. It's not going anywhere. People love the convenience. People love to go out. They love to sit down. But like you said, everyone's moving, shaking. People do love that uh, that quickness. Let's look toward the future. Can you speak to, uh, to the customer pain points that still exist with off-premise? And let's talk a little tech. Where does tech have value? What kind of tech are you looking in to try and solve for those pain points? Yeah, so... When you survey consumers, they care about two things. They care about a lot of things, but the two things they care about most uh, with an off-premise experience is speed of service. So how quickly can I get in and out and uh, order accuracy? So is all the food in the bag? Because there is no way to yeah. uh, You get the wrong that. order. Let's face it. You are pissed. There's a lot of places to fall down. Yeah, is it the wrong order? Is it missing an item? Is it missing a beverage? Is did it not get all the modifiers that you requested? Mm -hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, those are really the two key areas for opportunity for for all restaurant companies. Um, and then from a technology perspective, it's okay, let's look at those pain points and then let's design solutions that that get after that. And so, you know, I think we've implemented a number of things that kind of get after um, uh, both of those uh, those issues, um, and we've got other things that we continue to evaluate because it's a, it's an ongoing process, and can certainly go into more detail about what some of those things are. But uh, yeah, those are effectively what what all of us need to be looking at in order to retain these sales for the long term. I love I love all of it, and I got to tell you, I especially love that I was Jimmy, giving you a got nice break. Dripping that, you, you yeah, got dripping. You got that love in your face. Yep. Can you, you get a napkin, please? Yeah, you took over the podcast and gave me plenty of time to enjoy my pancakes. I want to thank watch uh, Jimmy Scott eat for that. pancakes right now. Good yes. God! Uh, sticking with the trends that are here to say, uh, here to stay. Uh, two words that get um, are dominating the market: um, ghost kitchens. And if you want to use another two words to describe that that phenomenon or that emergence, is virtual brands. Um, we were just talking about flipped, and, um, and obviously in, the, in your new launch for IHOP. Um, but let's talk about cosmic wings is Applebee's virtual brand. And I believe you're now piloting two new brands out of IHOP. What can you share with us uh, about what you're doing in the virtual or the ghost space? Is this breaking news, Jimmy? Just let me know. It, it might be. It might be, Chaz. Get ready. All right, Get right. ready. I'm ready. I'm well, ready. It, 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 slightly, actually, very timely news, especially on the IHOP side. Yeah, so Cosmic Wings is a, a virtual brand that we created in-house for Applebee's. It's um, it's a wings concept. It, it is very uh, unique and differentiated product, uh, exclusive partnership with Cheetos and our friends at PepsiCo Frito-Lay. So the, the main item that you can uh, uh, get there are the Cheetos and hot Cheetos flavored wings, as well as cheese bites and some other items. And then there's a broader um, set of wings and, and other things that you can order. Um, it really plays into the wings occasion, gets that wings lover that's really adventurous and wants to try new things. It really gets after the Cheetos lover who loves Cheetos and all different types of um, iterations. I like licking my fingers after I eat Cheetos, check. right? Yeah. I mean, check. Just the orange <laughs> on my fingers. Wing lover, check. Cheeto lover, yeah. check. And the gamers. I don't know if you guys are gamers, Gamer. but we also get those gamers as well. And so it's a, it's a, it's a really exciting um, 
exciting brand for us. We launched it last year. Um, it was initially exclusive with Uber Eats. We're now actually still uh, expanding it out across the other DSPs, and we should be complete with our DoorDash rollout in the next couple of weeks. And so, how, uh, can you share how it's doing number wise? Can you give us a little uh, indication? How many stores is it in? What kind of numbers you seeing? Yeah, we haven't disclosed uh, sales numbers yet, but it is nationwide. So we'll be in over 1,500 locations um, wow. in the next uh, next four weeks, which I think you know highlights for us how we see virtual brands playing a role, um, you know, for for Dine and and for Applebee's and IHOP. So, you know, it's, well, can it's I ask cool. you a question on this? So if I go into an Applebee's right now, am I going to know anything about Cosmic Wings, or is it like you go to Applebee's, it's Applebee's? Only online are you going to know about that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the the brands are differentiated, and so we've right. um, you try to set the expectation with the consumer that um, you come to Applebee's, you're coming to Applebee's for a Applebee's experience. If you'd like Cosmic right. Wings, please come online and order us uh, order us for delivery. We'll see how that evolves over time. I think everybody's trying to figure out how virtual brands are represented in the in the physical space. It's you know and. and Different brands have tried different things. There's no um, no right answer at this point. Um, but for the moment, we're keeping them separated because we see them as incremental, differentiated occasions and different consumers. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we'll we'll represent it. You know, we we think virtual brands are important. They're a big piece, an important piece for full service restaurants. You know, full service restaurants have capacity opportunities, right? Um, so and so now you got to give capacity. me the breaking news. What's IHOP launched? What, so IHOP, we just. News. We just released the press release uh, maybe two days ago. Um, so we partnered with Nextbyte. Uh, Nextbyte's a this is uh, breaking news. This is breaking news. So Nextbyte, <laughs> uh, we partnered with them to create and help us manage uh, two new virtual brands for IHOP, um, exclusive to IHOP. One's called Thrilled Cheese, which is a grilled cheese concept. The second one is called Super Megadilla, which is a quesadilla concept. Um, and uh, both of those brands, you know, play really well into what IHOP does great, which is making great food on the griddle, on the flat top, right? And so mm-hmm. um, we designed these brands to really fit into the operational opportunities we had uh, with our with our team members. Um, you know, app, IHOP, it does a lot of their business in the morning, right? So there's a lot of capacity in the kitchen, especially on the flat top after uh, lunchtime. And so these are really designed for that, um, you know, lunch, dinner, overnight, day part, um, and really capitalize on the capacity we have. We're really excited about it. They're in test. It's in about a hundred locations now. And, you know, we're, our, our, we, we test in order to scale, right? And so our plan is right. to get it, get into all of our locations. Uh, but, you know, timeline is, is TBD. All right, so we got breaking news, everybody. Breaking news right here on this podcast, <laughs> the Hospitality Hangout, is breaking news. IHOP launched two virtual brands, Thrilled Cheese and Super Megadilla. So go online. You can only get it 100 stores right now. So let me tell you, very exclusive. Check it out. We want your feedback. And if you feel like it, send Jimmy and I some Thrilled Cheese and some Super Megadillas because I got to tell you, we will eat them and tell you what we feel about them. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to add is, you know, we, Shats, you and I have discussed this a lot, and I think um, Scott and the team at Dime Brands are going to make us look good because we continue to feel that it's the brick and mortar folks that have the best path to running successful virtual brands. Um, Scott, you just said it. You've got the capacity. You've got the team. You've got the systems. You've like, and and you thought about the brand that would leverage, you know, IHOP's grill. So the flat grill. So like I, I we can. We wish expert we play, restaurant operators, yes, Jimmy. We play nice in the sandbox. We want everyone to do well, but I got to tell you, we love it when brick and mortar 
uh, brands that have success are now rolling into the virtual space. That's who we think is going to win uh, overall in the in the ghost kitchen space. And we we look forward to you uh, you and team at Dine Brands proving us right. Oh, yeah, I, th- I think ghost ghost kitchens play a role. You know, ghost especially in certain trade areas, and we have we have our brands in uh, some ghost kitchen locations. Um, and you know, from a real estate perspective, and if you think getting to the finance stuff, sales to investment ratios and returns on investment and all that good stuff from a development perspective, ghost kitchens are, are very attractive, especially in markets like New York um, and in uh, some international markets where we're very um, going very heavy in ghost kitchens. Um, but that said, you know, especially domestically in the U.S., there, there's been talk for a long time about there being an oversupply of restaurants that has been corrected, you know, through COVID. And so it's not necessarily a need for more infrastructure, um, all things equal. It's it's a need to leverage the existing infrastructure a little bit more efficiently. And so I yep. agree with you. We think we've got a lot of room to play with with the facility that we already have. And that's the same for, for everybody that has a brick and mortar restaurant. Let's start. Let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk robots and automation. We hear a lot about that, just like you hear about ghost kitchens and virtual brands, automation and robots. And I say to people, I don't know, we say robotics and automation. I don't know that Rosie, the robot from the Jetsons, which, yes, I'm dating myself. Most people probably don't remember the Jetsons, but I don't know that we're going to have Rosie roaming around the restaurant taking our order. But truth of the matter is, we're hearing about Chippy. We're hearing about Flippy. We're hearing about the uh, the fry thing. I don't even know what that's called, but we're hearing a lot about that. I mean, a Flippy could be flipping pancakes, I guess. But talk to me about your take on robotics and automation. And are you guys at Dine testing anything uh, that remotely resembles Rosie the robot or Flippy or any Chippy or any of these uh, kind of things? Yeah, I I think ro- robotics are incredibly interesting, and they've come quite a long way in the last couple of years and i think yeah flippy flippy and chippy especially chippy they 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 showcase some of that um you know back to what something you said before what are the pain points for the operators i mean you start from there where where in the kitchen do you have tasks that you know are not uh you know high value add right for our team members how do you make this an experience for our team members to make their jobs uh more efficient and i think that's effectively what the role of these robotics are um and so you got to look at across stations and understand, okay, where within my four walls does this does this make sense? I think the use case, kind of based on where the technology is today, um, it makes a lot more sense in the in the uh, QSR and, and fast casual uh, environments. You know, Chippy, for example, if you're making chips all day, right, and it's the same process, very repeatable. Then you've got there, there's a task that a, a robot can do. We've got more varied menus, and so we're still looking to see, okay, where could we potentially deploy this technology in the back of house? Uh, in the front of house, excitingly, we do have one restaurant uh, actually in Fresno, California, that a franchisee is testing a front of house um, server robot. It doesn't take orders, but it runs food. So it can run food from the back of the house to uh, to the I table. See, I've and, seen those at a lot of the trade shows kind of moving around with drinks and things like that. It seems like that could work out real nicely, kind of lending a hand or support to the front of house operators. And that's exactly how our franchisee has, has uh, positioned it, is that it's an extra set of hands for our team members, you know, especially when you get slammed, you know, it's helpful to have somebody else carry, carry plates for you. So, um, so that's kind of where, where we're at, you know, we're looking at it. It's, you know, for us, innovation is really important. Sometimes you can do all the research you want, but 
ultimately put it in a restaurant, see what happens. And that's where we're at with robotics in general. We're going to see what happens with this, see if there's a business case behind it, see if it can pay back, add some efficiency to uh, to the model, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. Awesome. I'm loving all that. Listen, when it comes to building a tech stack, um, we found that at least when we're talking uh, with multi-unit, um, you know, operators or franchise brands, uh, there seems to be, you know, somewhat of a, a house divided when it comes to implementing uh, tech. Um, you've got on one side, you know, those who want to partner and or acquire platforms. And on the other, you got the build their own uh, product. Um, and I'm, I think both have absolute merit um, in the strategy, which team are you playing on the acquisition or the development, um, or a combination of, uh, of both? Yeah, it's a little bit of a combination of both. And I, I agree with what, what you said is that it, it kind of depends on where you're at from a, from a technology journey and what your, what your roadmap looks like. You know, ultimately we're trying to source best in class technologies and sometimes, uh, especially now, those technologies are becoming more commoditized over time. And there's certainly value in partnering with somebody that is working on this technology across a number of different clients and is able to innovate faster than you can by yourself. That said, if there's a technology that we can't acquire off the shelf, you know, we will go and develop it in-house. And that may be something that we then hold on to for a long period of time. Or once the market catches up to us, we'll then you know, look for a partner to, to outsource it to. So it's a little bit of a combination, but we've, you know, we're working with a ton of great partners externally, um, as well as you know, still working off some homegrown technology. And it, it's just a, just a matter of, again, designing to, to the customer journey, to the operator journey, and, and making sure you're meeting those needs. All right. Well, listen, a lot of people always say hospitality is very slow to embrace tech. Very slow. Very slow. Always laugh that we are always behind, uh, you know, only coal miners might be slightly uh, behind us. That's you know? my line. But I think with fracking. I, right, I think, which I took it from somebody else. I took it from someone else. Yeah, made it my I, line. So, so I got to tell you, and after doing research, and I've researched this for years, spent many, many hours with my Encyclopedia Britannica to find out that hospitality is not that slow to embrace technology. So we came up with a game called, which came first? Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a question. I'm gonna ask Jimmy the same question. Which came first? Are you ready? I'm ready. I've been playing Wordle every day for <laughs> like months now. So I, my, my brain is trained for, for some of this stuff. Let's go. All right, which came first? The dumbwaiter or the boom lift? I mean, that's the thing that you see construction workers carrying up, you know, paint and equipment and, the, you know, the boom lift. OK, so it's the, the dumbwaiter or the boom lift. What came first? Uh, you know, based on the setup, I'm going to go dumbwaiter. Jimmy? I was hoping you forget to ask me. Well, I'd love to be a contrarian because it makes it more fun to see which one of us got it right. I got to tell you, I'm going to agree with Scott. Um, I've, I've been accused of when back when I used to work front of house, I've been accused of being a dumbwaiter. But respectfully, I believe the dumbwaiter itself came before the boom lift. Yeah, I think we're going to have to set this up a little differently in the future. <laughs> but yes, you are both correct. Woo! The dumbwaiter, the dumbwaiter did come first. Uh, it's actually been used for thousands of years. Actually, um, Jimmy, you may have seen this 200 BC in Rome when you were much younger. Yes. Uh, they were using the dumbwaiter. And then uh, the first boom lift was not invented until 1951 by our friend over uh, Walter E. Thornton. Jimmy, your old buddy, William E. Yep. Thornton, uh, came up with a dumbwaiter when he had a hard time uh, figuring out how to get paint and cement 
up uh, up to the tenth floor of a building he was building. Yeah, you know, back so you actually, both are back right. when I was hanging at yeah. your uh, your estate out in Long Island. Uh, that's you know, it's 125 yes. years old. I noted they right. had the dumb waiters, so I figured they had to oh. come first. I mean, your estate still uses yes. them. So multiple dumb waiters. Use, use the dumb waiter in yes. all your properties. Oh, 100. <laughs> Put the kids in there. All right, what do we got here? Um, we uh, the ball moment, Jimmy. This is your time to shine, brother. I know, but I but I know that you're going to be all excited about the quick fire coming up, and it's like the entire audience is waiting for quick fire, and I got crystal ball. But no, in all seriousness, crystal ball moment, a chance where we ask you, Scott, to put on your Creskin or Miss Cleo hat and predict the future, the future. Scott, how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and technology? Ooh, wow. Big question. Big question. Big question. You know, continued evolution. I think it's it's amazing to me when we when when we look at our roadmap, like, you know, just what the brands are up to. Almost every piece of the 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 journey has some level of technology embedded into it. So you can't. I don't think you can be a restaurant operator anymore and kind of be blind to technology and how it how it helps you, right? Um, how it supports the business. And so I think you'll continue to see. Can I quote Scott? Can I quote you on that? You can quote me on that. All um, right. All right, Jimmy, we got a great quote. Big so quote. I think you'll continue, continue to see that. You know, that said, you know, the proliferation of technologies, I think, is getting getting challenging for operators. And so there will be consolidation to some level uh, within these technology providers and, and some need maybe to revert to simplification. And I don't know where you're going to see things kind of fall out, but, you know, QR code, code menus, for example, does that stay forever? Is that replaced with a different type of interaction for the guest? It's hard. You know, it's hard being a restaurant operator and keeping track of all the vendors and all the opportunities and, and then managing that once you've selected one. And so, you know, I think you're going to see this, you know, continued adoption, but then also, you know, this um, consolidation to some level just to help operators manage, you know, all the different endpoints. I was talking to somebody recently, you know, five years ago, literally probably five years ago, you could have a restaurant and you just, you know, you got the, got your restaurant, your brick and mortar, you got a, got the door and that's it. You know, you don't really need all these integrations and endpoints and other places to post your menu and other places to reach your get. Yeah, I mean, the proliferation of places that you need to now be is incredible. And that's, that's very complicated and expensive to some degree. So, um, you know, I think you'll see some, um, some reversion at, at some point in the future. I like it. I got to tell you, I, I do too. I think, I think what the key takeaway there is lots of technology in the future. Technology is important. It, it yeah, is. I think it's Listen, that. let's go on to the best segment of the entire podcast. Everybody says so. I mean, this isn't me talking. <laughs> this is thousands of Yelp reviews, thousands of reviews on Spotify, uh, on Apple, everywhere that you can listen to our uh, podcast. They're all saying, Shads, Branded Quickfire is without a doubt the greatest segment. Scott, I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. First thing, don't think too hard. First thing that comes to your mind, are you ready? Yep. Favorite day of the week? Thursday. It's today. It's a great day. Good day. It's, it's a, a great, great day. day. It's a great right. day. You don't have the pre no, no pressure of the weekend, but the week's basically over. So it's a good I agree. I agree. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? That's a very good question. Um, That's why I asked, brother. That's why it's the Quickfire. Yeah, I'm going to give a plug to, to one of our franchisees. I, I just ordered um, – a gold belly um, and, and they run a concept called Olga's Olga's is a, like a hero Mediterranean concept out of the Midwest. I'm going to give a, a plug nice. out to team show stack and I'll probably be having some of that for dinner tonight. I like it. I love it. What is your favorite food city in the world? Well, 
you know, I think a couple of years ago, I would have said something like Paris, but, you know, I live in LA and LA is now, you know, really thriving as a, as a food capital of the world. And so I encourage everybody not to uh, throw any shade to the New York guys on the, on the line here, but you got to come check us out. We've got, got a lot of good things going on, all types of cuisine types and, uh, you know, very innovative uh, offerings out here. So You certainly, listen, you got the celebrity factor in the Kardashians. That's enough. <laughs> That's enough. That's Who enough cares to bring about the food? There, right? Who cares about, <laughs> cares about, about the food? Exactly. A hundred percent. Favorite place to travel? Uh, I'm a big skier, so I love going out to up to the mountains. Uh, my preference is Park City. So Park City, Utah. Park City, Utah. Place to be, especially in the winter. Silicon Slopes. Big things happen there. Big things happen there. All right. If you were to challenge Jimmy Wright to a game of rocks, paper, scissors, who would you have the better odds of beating? Mm. See, well, Jimmy's throwing out all of his, all of his, uh, <laughs> all my moves. Picks. I'm gonna go, with, I'm gonna go with Jimmy. I'm gonna go with Jimmy. He's taking me are down. Are, are we playing now or, or what? Wow, Jimmy rocks, paper, scissors, shoot. Uh, ooh, I wasn't ooh, ready yet. Ooh. Oh, rocks. <laughs> okay, we'll do it off. We'll, do, we'll take this one off live. Shoot. <laughs> well, I think you just always go rock. I mean, you go rock. Am I right? I, I believe Kramer said nothing beats. Sorry, it was uh, Newman. Nothing beats rock. Rock beats everything. Actually, it wasn't yeah, Newman. It, it, it was, it was uh, Kramer's friend who, uh, who said nothing beats the rock. Anyway, listen, Scott, we want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we really uh, appreciate your insights um, and all the hard work you're is that, doing. Wait, is, that, is that Bob Sacamano? It's not Bob Sacamano, <laughs> but... But we we appreciate your uh, the work you're doing to support the industry, not just during uh, this turbulent time, but 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 really uh, for the industry. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Scott directly, uh, you can email the podcast team at podcast at brandedstrategic.com, and we'd be happy to make the introduction for you. To our listeners, uh, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands, thousands of podcasts out there. And the fact that you choose to hang out with us is something we value and appreciate. Um, please join us hey, next Jimmy, week. Jimmy, I, I just got to give a shout out. I got to give a shout out for Scott. On A, check out the uh, the new Flipped, right? Oh, we're going to Flipped. You got to go check out Flipped. There's a, a, well, a couple hundred locations, right? Open. I know there's one on 23rd Street. Oh, there's two locations open. There's just two. So you got one, right? That's one in Lawrence. So if you're listening and you're in Lawrence, Kansas, go check it out. And if you're listening, you're in New York City, Check it out online or go check out on 23rd Street. But that I know what it was. It was the uh, Cosmic Wings, right? Yes. Cosmic Wings online, all all your favorite uh, delivery service providers, and then Thrilled Cheese and Super, Super Megadilla? Super Megadilla. Super mega deal. Oh and some, give a shout yeah, out. Let's give a yeah. shout out to our friend Mr. Canner and over at Next Bite. They're uh, Next they, Bite doing that. And then I got to tell you, Alex Canner at Next Bite and Scott from Diamonds have made a great offer. I don't even think they know about this offer. The first 100 callers <laughs> get free, get free Cosmic Wings for a year and thrilled cheese and super for a year. 100 people email us, call us right now. Thank you, Alex Canner. Thank you, Scott Gladstone. Boom, I'm done. Free everything from Applebee's and, and IHOP. Scott, don't worry. Jimmy, that's a great guess. It's a great guess, but don't worry, Scott. We give out Chassis' personal credit card to take care of the first uh, 100 who call in. So you're, you're good. You're good. Um, listen, um, please join us next week as we welcome our guest uh, and our friend, Miss Kimberly Smith, the CEO of Copia. Copia is doing fantastic things um, in how restaurants and food venues can dispose of and donate uh, food um, to those in need and 
help. We like to say the hunger issue in this country um, is really more of a logistics issue um, as opposed to uh, there being a lack of food. It's truly about the logistics and Copia is all over that. And finally, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast. You don't miss out on all the exciting guests we'll have coming up in the future. And better yet, please invite a friend to hang out with us the next time. So until then, um, with great appreciation to Scott and everything he's he and his team are doing at Dime Brands, this is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy, signing off and passing it back to my boy Shatsy. Thank you, everybody. It's Shatsy, a.k.a. Restaurant Guy, and I am about to dig into my big stack of pancakes <laughs> with old-fashioned pancake syrup. Thank you, Scott, for these delicious pancakes. Thanks, everybody. Thank Cheers. you, Scott. Cheers, everybody.